You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. Hey guys, the journey on Houndsman XP is teamed up with Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that was made for hunters by hunters. If you guys and gals have listened to any of the other podcasts that I've been on, you know what a huge outdoor enthusiast I am. I love being in the woods with my hounds. There's nothing more exciting than hearing the thunder of a spring gobbler. I love fishing for trout in the brooks and the streams, and I love being on the river chasing that ever-elusive fish of a thousand cast, the muskie. Go Wild is the place that I can post my trophies, hunts, and memories without being censored. But Go Wild is so much more than that. It's a place to share your stories, sharpen your skills, hone your tactics, get gear reviews, and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. If y'all purchase anything from Go Wild, make sure that you're using the Houndsman XP promo code. And that code is going to be HXP10. So when you go in there and you download your cart, when you come up to the, to the bottom and it says promo code, add Houndsman XP to it. We are back at it. I'm spending a lot of time out west nowadays. Um, 
had some good guests on and have another really interesting and um, kind of excited to hear about the story and the journey because that's what we're about is the journey. And I had uh, Aaron reach out to me on social media and we like that. We like to talk and we want to know what you guys think and and what you're what you're about. And we've been talking through um, messaging and talked on the phone a couple times. And so Aaron Kelly is with us today, and he's from Missoula, Montana. And I'll tell you a quickie, real real quick. You guys know that I've you know Dale Cameron. I had his dogs, and Dale lived outside of Missoula and Stevensville, and I've actually been been there a couple times. Um, so this one kind of was like, yeah, and got to talking about it. And I'm really interested to hear his story because Aaron is just getting into hunting. He's only in it a year and a half. And through our conversations, he's been very successful. So we're going to tap into that, especially for you new guys that are getting out and starting hound hunting, how we can help ourselves along and save some of the um tries and tribulations that some of us old school guys have went through the hard way like the school of hard knocks because we go through it and aaron's been very successful so we're going to tap into what he's learned what's helped him and talk a little bit about his hunting and we've got an interesting thing that we're going to talk about um that would have set most of us back and he persevered through that and carried on and that's something that also was very interesting to me. So Aaron Kelly from Missoula, Montana. How is everything out your way this this evening? Uh, it's going well, Heath. Uh, appreciate you um, letting me come on here and talk with you. Big big fan of the podcast and all the podcast creators. So it's always a uh, it's always a cool uh, feeling to to be able to be on an episode and be a part of all this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely glad to have you. Like I said, it's about the journey, and the journey's a process, and it, it should never end. And, right. you know, I want to hear about your beginning, and then, you know, 10 years from now, I want to see where you stand. And then if I'm still kicking in 20 years, <laughs> maybe we <laughs> could catch back up. But, yeah, I, I mean, that's what it's about, um, and we want to hear about it. So, Aaron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like I said, you and I have discussed it. I know a little bit. Um you were born and raised in Missoula. <clears throat> yep, yep. So born in Missoula, and uh, well, uh, my family moved west of Missoula, and uh, we've been in we've been living in this country ever since. So um, got a lot of family around here, and thankfully we have some pretty amazing outdoor opportunity. And um, you know, um, because of that, I think that's obviously um, where you know the reason I'm. I'm where I'm at today mm -hmm. and doing what I do, you know? I'm kind of so. envious of you guys. Like, my, the biggest part of me wants to be out west. Um, I made my first trip out there in 2005, and I, like, I, I fell in love with it. But I'm, I like to be outdoors, and I don't care if it's fishing or hunting or just out walking in the, the forest and stuff with my dogs or by myself, but the vast amount of country that you guys have is what draws me. 
I, I like to be that explorer. I like to be that, um, I want to go somewhere where nobody else has been. And that's right. one of the things. Well, and, and thankfully, you know, this, this part of the state too has um, an absolute um, plethora of public land. So mm-hmm. you're able to do that, right? There's lots of states and other areas in Montana that have a ton of private land ownership. And uh, the western side of the state has much more public land. Um, so it allows for someone with that that drive and that ambition uh, to go out and, and really do what, exactly what you said, explore and, and truly um, just get to, to live that outdoor lifestyle. Yes, I'm envious. I got to say, I'm, I mean, I, that's who I am. I just can't, I don't have the, I don't have the, the area to roam like you guys. Like we just, we just don't have it. We got, we got chunks, but I can walk through that chunk in a day very easily. And that's not pushing myself, if you, you know, you know, thousands of acres or, you know, a couple thousand acres, not nothing like you, what you guys have. Um, so born and raised in Missoula. And you've you've been an outdoorsman since you was able to do that, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, I kind of got into hunting around twelve years of age. My dad took me out, and uh, it was pre- strictly deer and elk hunting. And uh, you know, we usually did pretty good over in this area. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, we got some pretty good deer and elk populations, but uh, as of late. Um, predators have had a big impact on um some once very healthy deer and elk uh, populations so uh still good hunting but definitely you can definitely feel the effects of um, an increased predator population um yeah so and we're going to talk about that too before we go get too much further ahead so Mm. any of our podcast and i always i always like to ask the listeners is is there any one of them that you've you favor or is there any one of them that you can say that one really either resonated with me or that I've got the most out of that one? You know, I, I feel like when it comes to um, this podcast, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm very much, uh, I'm attracted to a lot of the uh, pup training mm. and dog training episodes because um, I'm somebody that comes from, a family that has never has never really had much interaction with dogs, you know, and so getting into the hound hunting world, all of the dog training um, that it takes to to run hounds was completely alien to me, mm-hmm. and so hopping on this podcast and listening to those episodes and finding any kind of information I could online was really really big. Um, especially when I did not yet have a mentor in the hound hunting community. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think a lot of people like, um, favor those episodes on on the pups and, um, hopefully we can continue to do more of them. So Aaron, what got you in this? What got you into the hounds? What, what like flipped your trigger and like, Hey, I I want some dogs. (laughs) Well, you know, Heath, I think it, you know, I've always, I've always had a soft spot for dogs. And, um, so even just like, even just having a dog has always been super attractive to me. Right. Um, that companionship that you get from a dog, 
uh, the loyalty that you can get from a dog is just, you know, it's, you can't find it <laughs> many places. And so, <laughs> um, true. so, you know, so obviously I've always wanted to have a dog, you know, since I was a little kid, but, uh, um, there's something fascinating about a working dog, you know? Um, and, you know, I had some friends that had bird dogs and, and they were always going off about, you know, how much they were just taken aback by what these dogs do. And, um, and just being very, uh, open about their experiences kind of, it just further, I think, made me want to go down the route of hound hunting because I knew, um, I knew I wanted a dog and I, you know, after seeing, um, videos online of houndsmen working their dogs, I'm like, man, big game hunting is where I want to be. This is something that I, I got to at least try and see if like, Hey, is this for me? Is this what it looks like it is, you know, or is this all just, um, is this some, something that looks great and it's really way harder, you know, mm-hmm. than, than what it looks like on the surface. So I think it was just a mix of, you know, no one started, you know, knowing some people around this area that did it hearing their experiences and then finding, um, content online really, really, uh, perked my interest. And, uh, I finally just decided, you know what, I'm never going to do this unless I just jump head first, you know? So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I, so you didn't have anybody, so you didn't go on a lion hunt or a bear hunt. You just had the feeling like, Hey, dogs are like something that I want to be a part of my life. And what better way to do it than, you know, chase animals around. Well, it, pretty much, you know, but I will say that that was the kind of like the initial spark. And then, um, a few years after really getting that, that spark, um, you know, I got a job back over here near Missoula and, you know, I just kind of, I've had the means to acquire dogs and, you know, I think being in the right place for hounds too is definitely a thing. I think there's a lot of guys out there. They really want to get a dog, but they're just not in the right place, whether it's because their living situation or finances or whatever. Um, but finally the stars aligned for me mm-hmm. where I had an opportunity to, to actually, you know, get some dogs out on some property and um so i before i made that move i contacted a good friend of mine um brad jones who is a captain in the uh, montana national guard Mm -hmm. and he uh, has a bunch of blue ticks he runs a bunch of uh, smoky river blue ticks and i kept telling him man i'm super interested I'd, i'd really like to kind of see what this is all about Um, and I was kind of begging him to take me for a few weeks. And finally he's like, all right, let's go. I'm coming to you. So we came out, uh, he came out my direction and, um, we, I mean, within, I mean, within 30 minutes of running road, we found a lion track and, um, and I ended up actually harvesting that lion. And, um, from that point on, and I was hooked and it wasn't even from the fact because of the fact that I harvested a lion what really intrigued me and caught my attention was just watching the interaction and the dynamic between Brad and his hounds Mm -hmm. and how he kind of treated each one of them a little differently and picked up on the little nuances of each individual dog. Mm -hmm. And man, I mean, he did a lot, you know, you do a lot of things similarly, but man, it was, it was really, really neat 
to uh, to see him work his pack of dogs. Um, and from that point on, that was like uh, when I knew, like, this is something I want to do. So is that, did you get your first dog from, from Brad? I did, yeah. Yep. So he uh, he actually, one of his better dogs, Fade, um, man, she's an impressive dog. Uh, but yeah, he, he had a litter shortly after that. And I don't know if it was his intention, like, hey, I got to bring this guy out with me. Got to get a couple of pups off my hands. And, <laughs> but uh, no, he, he ended up, uh, he ended up asking if I wanted a pup and I, you know, of course, starstruck, I said, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I end up acquiring a, uh, a female Smoky River blue tick from him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was a start of the journey. Let me tell you. Heath. So, <laughs> yeah. So now when you started, they just opened the spring bear last season, right? Yes, they did. For dogs, right? So when you started, you, were you able to run bear with your dogs also, or was it strictly just cats? So when I had gotten, so when I acquired my first pup, that was in the month of December, and we were kind of getting word that the legislative bodies were passing this bill, and it was a very real possibility that we would have um, the ability to run our hounds just that you know the upcoming spring season so mm-hmm. it was a lot of talk and anticipation and everything you know everything was aligning uh legislatively for that to go through and so um yeah w- when i first got the pup it was kind of like we were in a little bit of a waiting mode but it things looked real good and uh and and when it did pass pass um i you know i was obviously very excited because I had a bunch of younger dogs and, and, uh, and, uh, a good, good old pup trainer to, to kick the bear season off. So I was, uh, I was super, super excited going into the bear season that, uh, that April. Yep. So you ended up with your, your female mm-hmm. and then did you, was you running her by herself or, and you, I, I like, I kind of know the story, but, yeah. So how did you start acquiring other dogs and um how did you well I know what you did. What did um just tell us how you started acquiring dogs and how yeah. important it was that you were able to actually acquire a finished dog that helped mm-hmm. bring your young dogs to where they needed to be. Right. So like I said, I got that pup in December. And our cat season over here runs until uh, April 14th. And honestly, actually, the first few months, I was actually, um, I think it's really easy for a novice houndsman or someone just getting into it to be really discouraged because I had gotten that pup and I had worked a lot of, you know, I've read, I read a few books on puppy training and scent training and, and then I, you know, hearing from other houndsmen and, um, other houndsmen in the community uh, taking advice on doing drags and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing that with my pups, and mm-hmm. so I, I, um, I started doing working my my younger dog, uh, my younger blue tick, quite a bit. And then uh, a good buddy of mine heard that I was getting into the hound game, and he asked, "Hey, I got some, I got some uh, leopard cur puppies." 
And at that point, you know, I was, like I said, I, I didn't really have an idea what I was doing. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of guys will advise against getting a bunch of puppies right off the bat, but I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll take another pup. And Mm -hmm. so I ended up with two puppies right off the bat. And I was kind of pulling my hair out at times because I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to get anything going. Um, you know, sometimes they're, they, they impress me on a drag. Other times it's like, you know, just trying to get them, um, get them zoned in was, was difficult, but I, uh, you know, I had, um, I had my buddy Brad around who told me, you know, just continue the exposure, um, and, and continue with your effort. And, um, you know, oftentimes that will help more than, than, you know, um, than, you know, not working them or kind of just giving up. And so, I, uh, I kept working them and not finding any cat tracks. I, like I said, I started getting pretty disappointed and, and wondering what am I doing wrong? And, uh, well, Brad, Brad, uh, Brad offered a piece of uh, literature, um, called Prick Trained by Hound Dog by Ed Vance. Mm-hmm. He, he told me, Hey, you need to check this book out because he's like, there's a lot of parallels going on right now with you and this houndsman. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of valuable insight that insight that'll that'll get you going right. And so, I um, picked up that book, and I mean, I finished that thing that book within days, and I was just hooked. Um, and you know, the overlying theme in that book was you need a old finished dog to help you with your younger dogs, and so. Once I found that out, I was saved up a little bit of money and I started searching and, um, I contacted a guy named, uh, Joe Bebout and he lives over Southwest Montana, Whitehall area. And he's got a pretty good pack of dogs. He runs with Jake Herrick, which is on that, uh, mountain man show. Oh yeah. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. yeah, so they, they got some real good dogs down there. And anyways, he offered me a uh seven-year-old plot hound and that plot hound he you know he told me over the phone he's like this dog is worth every every penny she can run bobcat bear lion everything you need and he you know since i was getting into it he was like i'm gonna cut you a deal and so i was obviously pretty appreciative of that deal and drove a couple hours over there pick up tink which is that plot's name and you know, at first I'm like, man, that's a, I, I end up paying a thousand down. And then, you know, if I liked her, it'd be another thousand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at first I was kind of getting a little buyer's remorse. I'm like, is this the right thing to do? You know, a thousand bucks and uh, a lot of money. And so, um, uh, of course I know now that hounds can go for a lot more than that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. anyways, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, brought her back and and it was kind of perfect timing because i got her about a month before the season so i did drags with with that with tink and my two pups and and the nice thing was doing when i was doing those drags tink was was obviously trailing and treeing and getting those pups excited so that mm-hmm. was huge that i didn't have that excitement originally so even on the drags i would notice improvement having a finished dog and um well the bear season started and, um, it, it kind of, you know, we didn't in the, in April over here, bears don't move around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, quite like they do in May and June as it gets warmer. 
So you're not going to have them cross roads as much, or they'll be still hanging with, uh, you know, around their dens and whatnot. So, um, I decided to take the dogs and go, go on a, go on a shed hunt. Um, uh, and kind of knowing that maybe there's a chance that we could come across something fresh and find a couple shit. So I go up, uh, near my, only a couple miles from my house on a shed hunt. And, um, I mean, just a few minutes into that shed hunt tank blows up and I'm like, uh Oh, what's going on here? You know? And, um, before I know it, my pups are joining in and they're running circles around me. I felt like, and, um, about 600 yards away from me, they treed up and, uh, and I walked in there and before I knew it, I had my first bear of the year. So it was kind of, it was literally somebody that, you know, I'm looking back on it and I still, I still don't know a whole lot about the game and I'm learning a whole lot, but it, it was such a, uh, um, exciting feeling to, to, to see the dogs work something like that, you know, from a guy that's never, never done anything remotely close to that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you, I'm going to back up and ask you a few questions on what you just said. Yeah. Do you know what the, the plot, how that plot was bred or you don't have any clue? Um, you know, I don't have any clue. I haven't ever asked that question though. Yep. And you know, something that I think a lot of people, even people that's experienced and I'll, you know, I've been doing this 28 years. So this coming fall will be 29 for me. The journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with one TDC. This dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's health in four different areas. Their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to worksowell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on The Journey. I went through a divorce. I let a lot of my dogs go. I kept a couple young dogs that ended up making average dogs. They weren't mm-hmm. what I was looking for. I could catch a bear, a couple bear with them, but they lacked in some of the areas that I knew that I wanted to make me, make me be more, more successful. So I ended up mm-hmm. buying um, a couple camp dogs off Mike Camp, and um, I have I still had two dogs that that were still my the bloodline that I'd been hunting for twenty some years, twenty five years, but. Aaron, I did the same thing you did. Like, I know how to train dogs. I have caught bears throughout my career, game. I mean, I've caught game mm-hmm. throughout my life. But I knew the importance and the value of having that dog to help me help them. Because there's things that that dog trains yes. them that I can't. Um, so I bought a a blue dog, Van Johnson bred blue dog, Jack. And my my dogs were a year old when when I bought Jack, and he helped them get started. And then, like you said, then they started kind of taking over the races. Jack was always there, but 
you know, they started moving, they started getting to the front and doing things that I wanted to see. And then last year, I I lost him, and we still don't know exactly what happened. But I still wasn't at the point where, I mean, I was catching, I, was, I can catch game with, without him, but I still, I went and got me another old, and when I say old dog, it's a six-year-old, black and tan, it's crossed up dog she looks like a black and tan but she still tails on them like <laughs> you know i we I, my, my dogs will run a yoke like they're not perfect they're dogs but she's the dog that when they go down there and do something they're not supposed to she's back at my side and i don't have to think twice about what's going on um, right so the importance of that what i'm saying is even though you're an, an a beginner and a year, little over a year in, you made a wise decision that even people with 28 years in are still, I still do that. But again, I kind of started over. Um, my old dog had passed away. I had a couple dogs that weren't satisfying me. Like I said, they catch it. They catch some game, but they were not consistent. Um, they didn't have the motor that I wanted. They didn't have the, the stick or grit, or whatever you want to say. Um, grit can be determined a lot of different ways, but they just weren't, they were okay. They were a pleasure to be around, super good around the house. Um, everything but, and I'm. this takes me back to what you said before, and I'm going to throw a Clay Newcomb term out there. The dogs at this house have got to be a utilitarian dog. Mm-hmm. They got to have a purpose. And... <laughs> I mean, I that function, you know, I have police dogs. I've got one, my shepherd's laying right here beside me right now, sprawled out on the floor. You know, my Dutchie's out in the kennel. Um, they have a purpose. And, yep. you know, I've got the hounds. I've got 10 hounds outside, and they have a purpose. Man. They They give me pleasure. They give me drive. They motivate me. Um, and that's just how I'm wired. But just to kind of go back to what we were talking about, you made a very wise decision in getting an old dog to help you help them because there's some things you can't teach. You can't teach that dog how to pick up a lose. You know, you can't, you can't teach that dog how to go in and and bay up a bad bear or a cat. I don't know how your cats operate, but you know, I've found, especially with the dogs that I have now, they've got pretty good stick, but they're not overly aggressive. That's what I want. And I have found that my younger dogs, like I've got some year old and some two year olds now, like I'm getting one that's getting beat up pretty regularly. But the rest of them have watched him old dog stand back bay, work a bear, work him from the back end. You know, when he takes off, they, they stay in the back side of him. Um, and I, I can't teach that to my dogs. No. I just can't do it. So, man, kudos to you. So, you got your dogs, you treat your first bear. Now where yep. you at? Now what's going on? Springtime, so bear season's in. Yep, bear season's in, and um, and I'm you know I'm obviously I've, I've tried you know I've, I've done some research and I've seen that a lot of people them you know the guys that were catching the most bear had some dogs that uh, that could rig bear right, which is throwing them on your dog box and driving down a road, and those dogs will let you know when a bear is, or, you know, a bear's crossed through here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how the heck 
as a guy like me go about figuring that out, you know, cause I got a dog, I got an older dog that'll, that'll, um, that'll, you know, you could road down, you could road them. And, mm-hmm. and if you, if they cross something, she could, she could take it, but it's a little different. I mean, I think as you know, he's, um, roading your dog versus rigging the dog and you can cover so much more country rigging a dog and, mm-hmm. and you can have those multiple bear days when you got rig dogs. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and with the goal of getting into, um, the hunting industry, you know, as a guide, um, I, I, I figured, well, I'm going to have to figure out how to get some rig dogs. And so I was, I was looking around I was catching, I was catching bears free cast here and there. So hiking down a creek bottom or side hilling, doing some quote unquote shed hunting and hoping that the dogs would come across a bear around and, um, you know, that worked, but I'm like, man, you know, I want to be able to, to, to catch more game and I got to figure out how to. And so I, I started looking online for, for rig dogs and I realized how expensive they were. And I'm like, wow, I can't, I can't afford paying for rig dogs. And then this guy reached out to me and said he had some, some started dogs. And one of them seemed like it, 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 one of the dogs seemed like he was trying to, you know, he was, he was wanting to rig for him. And so he cut me a deal and I ended up driving all the way down to, um, all the way down to, um, Phoenix, oh, or wow. I think it's, I think it's Scottsdale, mm-hmm. just North of Phoenix. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I drove down there and, um, uh, and I picked up those dogs and, oh, well on that, let me tell you that trip wasn't really the funnest because, uh, well, the AC went out mm. when I was just before hitting Arizona and man, it was hot. So it was like a near hundred degree day when I went down there to pick them dogs up and, I, f- I think when those dogs got in my truck, they're like, this is the guy you're selling us to. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So anyways, um, what kind were they? Uh, so one of them they they, one was a plot mm-hmm. and the other was a black and tan. Okay. Yep. And, um, and they'd been on some lion, but mainly bear. And, uh, so I, I, I picked them, got a good deal on them. And, uh, brought them back and I kind of did the same thing. I wasn't really confident and I, I put them on the, my, my dog, the top of my dog box and, and, and just kind of without much of an idea, um, started driving road and I just didn't know when to let them out or how. And I, you know, I didn't, I should have asked looking back on it. I should have asked that guy, how do the, you know, how do these dogs work? How do you work them? Can we hunt for, you know, a day together to see what you do with the, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause you gotta, you know, you gotta learn how some people work their dogs. And, um, and so anyways, I was kind of like, dang it, didn't ask the right questions. So I was kind of back at square one rowing the dogs. And then I started thinking about, well, if, if this tink dog, I got this old plot that I have is my tattletale dog. I can throw those two, you know, started rig dogs on top and and mitigate with her on on what they're striking on and so i'd go down the roads and it started to turn out you know if the, when those when those two blew up i would put tink out and let her get off and if she liked whatever she could smell what they were smelling and took off and start that was a bear and so i started using tink as my dog it to my, my, you know, like that, that tail dog to be like, Hey, 
is this the is this target game or is this non-target game because at first i think those dogs have been sitting in a kennel for a while Mm -hmm. and you know how dogs can get when they're sitting they get excited they get a big whiff of an elk or something that they might pop off for a little bit and and so i was able to kind of mitigate that and just get them going on bear and before you know it your your dogs are learning hey we're only let out on this and i didn't even have to use tink did Um, you not rig her or were you just putting her down when they struck I put her down when they struck because mm-hmm. for whatever reason, she did not want to, she did not do much barking off of the box. I, it was, it was interesting. So I, that's yeah. what I did. I tried it out and the experiment kind of pro- proved mm-hmm. to be successful. So and was that something that you figured out or did somebody kind of tip you that, Hey, you can do this and it, you can be successful this way. So I think it was a little bit of both. So, um, you know, Joe had told me tink, she's a tattletale dog and um and i figured that those two had a general idea of hey this is you know on what a bear scent was like mm-hmm. and um they would strike on it but because of they were because they were not technically finished and they were just kind of started rig dogs kind of mm-hmm. getting into it and um there was a, there was a few times in the beginning where when i didn't use tink um, as that tail dog that those two that I'd got from Arizona, I'd see a white tail deer. They mm-hmm. were chasing, you know, I'd trash races. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I started realizing when I use tink, she's keeping them honest. And before I knew it, I didn't have to rely on, on, you know, within several weeks is all it took. Those, th- those dogs were, you know, it was just kind of like when, almost when you train a pup, um, some dogs, start a lot earlier and you mm-hmm. get them on the good game target game with a finished dog you have some pups that get it from the bat you know and you know they almost kind of it's almost like trash breaking them just putting them on all the good game mm-hmm. and um and now obviously you're with a young dog you're gonna have some some hiccups and some train wrecks but those pups that i had um that blue tick and that leopard cur I mean, they were, they, one was six months when I started the bear season. The other one was seven and a half and they were up in the front with all the older dogs, um, from the get go. And they were, they were definitely, um, compared to one of the pups I have now an early, early starters for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got they just pretty did lucky a lot of what, to have, I mean, oh man, extremely. I mean, the, the amount of dogs that you go through just to get what, what you ended up with is, mm-hmm. um, Sometimes it can be astronomical, but you, yeah. like, you fared pretty well in that end of it. Oh, absolutely. That blue tick <clears throat> that I'd got from Brad Jones, um, Stormy was her name. She, she was rigging bear at eight and a half months for me. And, um, which was pretty incredible leading races, mm-hmm. um, just had all the drive in the world that you'd want. Um, she would never, never gave up on a race. And like I said, she started, started running at six months and well, before I lost her to wolves, which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she just, just, inc- you know, just did everything I wanted and did it better as the days went on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I had her leading races, <clears throat> but she just had an awesome tight, um, slim athletic build that does really well in the steep country mm-hmm. that I'm in. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that it all started the, the, um, 
the the foundation of my pack was that tink dog mm-hmm. that plot dog and um and then acquiring those those started bear dogs um i mean man it, it just got me off to a rock star start that i never in a million years thought i would have um which which kind of got me in a little bit of trouble <laughs> mm-hmm. um in the in the sense that i i started um i started doing real well so i i I think that the that the advice from other houndsmen some of it i like cautionary tales about the um the dense wolf wolf population that we have in the area i i've never seen one of them never had any incidences you know i'm good i'm you know so i started started chasing numbers a little bit. I mean, I was excited and pushing the dogs as much as I could. And, um, that's what eventually I think got me into the situation. Well, mm-hmm. you and I had discussed, mm-hmm. um, so no, it's, uh, it, it was quite an experience. He's like, I mean, it was, uh, what I had in that bear season was, I mean, two total extremes, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, some awesome successes and some big time lows, you know. Right. So, well, let's roll over into that. So, did that incident mm-hmm. happen during bear season or lion season? It happened during the bear season. The, also, it happened in the spring. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just go ahead and walk us through that. I mean, I know so, it's probably yeah, painful so to it's... keep repeating it, but it's a, yeah, it's oh, a no, part of life. So, um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess, um, for the people that don't know much on wolves and I don't know a whole lot, but some general information on them is, um, during the first few months of the year, like January, February, wolves start rutting. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then you'll get a lot of increased wolf activity. And you notice that during the cat season, you're seeing a lot of, a lot of wolf sign and covering a lot more area and those areas more frequently. Um, well, in March and April, wolves generally have pups, and that's that's when they're denning up, and um, and so they're in more specific areas, and they're not, um, from what I know, right, and um, is they're not they're not quite covering the ground that they normally are because they got pups mm-hmm. in you know a specific spot, and well, of course, like I told you. I wasn't really thinking much of that and I hadn't had any encounters with the wolves, even though I've been told by guys that used to be houndsmen or had ran dogs in the past, um, that, you know, you do got to be careful in, in the country I'm in, um, of wolves, you know, they, they, they pose a big threat to your dogs. And, um, so anyways, yeah. Um, the, the season went really well. I, I, caught a lot of bears and coming into June, it was actually June 11th. Um, it was another routine day. Um, it actually was a, uh, it was a real wet and rainy day. And, uh, I had, um, met up with some, some good friends of mine. Um, and they all had a few dogs and we decided to go up to an area we'd ran consistently throughout the season. And, um, we had, we'd right off the bat, we had 
you know, within 30 minutes of our, our hunt, we'd caught a small five foot bear. And then, you know, another hour later we had struck another bear or rigged another bear off the road and caught a sow and some cubs. And so, you know, at that point we're like, man, the dogs are just firing on all cylinders. Um, and it was just something cool to see. And so we, uh, we decided like we wanted to, you know, try to go for a third bear, um, or at least a third tree. And, um, we, we, we tried to loop, we were in an area, um, Nemodi, which crosses, you know, a lot of these drainages around here, they have, um, they loop into each other. And so, um, we tried to loop around to the adjacent drainage and there was logging equipment in our way. So we, you know, we, we obviously turned around and we're like, well, if we get a strike on the way out, awesome. If we don't, we don't. And <clears throat> of course we, we got a red hot strike. The dogs were basically trying to jump off the truck. So that was awesome. And we'd got, we got it, we stopped and found a fresh, big, uh, fresh bear track heading, um, that crossed the road and headed up towards the top of the ridge that we were on. Um, and so we let dogs go and we, I let, uh, Stormy, that blue tick pup, um, and tink go on that one and uh and they went with about three other dogs um that were my friends hounds and they they all went together and just went roaring up and over that ridge and then we decided let's just let the rest of them go this is a hot track let's get some dogs in on this tree so we unloaded our boxes and we had i think about geez 14 dogs on that race and all, they all were going good, um, lined out on that scent and they dropped down pretty deep into the adjacent, uh, drainage and we lost comps. So the area is so steep over there. When those dogs get up on the ridge top and go over, I mean, I, it doesn't matter how good of an antenna you have, you're losing comms. And so, mm-hmm. um, we, we knew the area, we drive back up the drainage and, and, um, found a gated road that took us into the adjacent drainage. And, um, we had regained our comms, um, and, and had, and seen all of our dogs were, well, half of the dogs, the, the first group were treed up and the others were making their way to them from the top of the ridge. And then we lost comms and a few minutes regained them again. And all of our dogs, it was the weirdest thing. I still remember it pretty vividly to this day. No bark indicators on any dog. And all, all the dogs that were on that tree were with at least 50 to 100 yards separated from one another, you know, dead silent, not moving. And I'm like, what in the heck? And the weirdest thing is, too, all the dogs that were behind them in that second group started just sprinting the hell out of there. And I'm just like, what in the heck is going on? And I looked over to my buddy, Jake, and I said, I mean, do you think there's wolves in here? You know, and he's, oh, no, nah. he's trying to be real optimistic about it, but you could tell he was nervous too. And I'm like, I don't know, man, this is, this ain't right. We're not hearing nothing. We're in the same draw as these dogs. And by the time I got about, I don't know, three, 400 yards away from that creek bottom where they, we're all scattered and separated. 
still not hearing nothing. I started sprinting down there, man. I tore up through my, tore up my camo. I, I wear glasses. I broke my glasses going down there. So then I'm going down there halfway blind and, um, get down that creek bottom and dogs were strewn, you know, strewn out across the, across the creek bottom and is not a fun sight to see. Um, and I think coming up to the, uh, the first dog I found was Tink and mm, so you lost um, that, that hit me the hardest because, you know, that dog from what Joe told me, she did not, she was not a really a people dog. It was just, she was an interesting hound. A lot of hounds are real affectionate and what she just wasn't quite that way. But, um, for some reason she really bonded to me really well. And Joe was, you know, he was, uh, he was really happy about that and, and pretty taken aback and, it was tough when the dog, a dog I had picked up and had learned to trust me a lot and work hard for me, um, to find her dead and, um, and then also have the realization that if she's dead, then I, all those other dogs in this draw are dead too, was, was pretty tough. It was a tough pill to swallow. Um, um, but yeah, it was, it was not, it was not, um, it was not ideal and, um, it was a, it was a hard, hard, um, lesson, pretty tough, uh, learning experience yeah. for me. How many, how many dogs did you lose that day? We lost five dogs and three dogs were real badly injured. Wow. I mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine having to deal with that. I mean, I know some guys that, or from locally from here that go to Wisconsin. And I know um, one of the older gentlemen, he's now passed away, but it's couldn't have been a couple years ago. He lost all four. He just took four dogs. He lost all four of them while he was mm. up there. Um, I mean, it cleaned him out. He was done. Mm. That's so, terrible. Man, I feel for you guys. And I, I mean, it's just a horrible situation that, mm-hmm. you know, that we, you know, you have to deal with that. I mean, that's a, you know, it's a part of nature and, yeah. I mean, a wolf is a huge predator. I mean, a huge predator. Yeah. But, well, I appreciate you sharing that story with us because, I mean, I, like I said, how did you overcome? So you, you, how many dogs did you lose personally? A tink and your your female. Tink, yep, tink and stormy. Okay. Yeah. And then and your buddy lost uh, three. And then between two of my buddies, they lost three. Okay. Yep. So how did you? Yeah. How did being a new hunter? I mean, this is your first season. This is your first, you know, your first dogs. How, where were you at mentally? And what was it that said, Aaron, like, you know, we're just going to, we're going to dust ourselves off, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and we're going to continue on? Oh, man, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I think, getting down to those dogs and then uh, hiking them up, you know, hiking them out of there on my back, three miles back to the truck that really can do a number on a guy, especially for a softy like myself, when it comes to dogs, man, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty soft. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hard on them when I need to be, but man, they know, I, they know I love them. And um, so that, it was, it, it really, um, it really had me wanting to get out. To be mm-hmm. honest, I I was like, man, if this is how it's going to be, raising up pups and and you know, um, 
from just the youngest of ages and, and losing them to wolves, you know, um, and, 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 in a, and obviously, uh, it really, it was weighing on me just because I knew how many wolves we had in the area. And I'm like, man, this could be more consistent than just this one, you know, this could happen mm-hmm. more than just, you know, this instance. And I don't know, you know, I told myself, man, I can't, I can't go through this again and again and again and just keep losing dogs that mean a lot to me and that I bond with. And so, you know, initially, like I said, I, um, I was looking to get out and I started asking around, like talking to people like, Hey, you want to, you want a bear dog? I'll sell it to you, you know, fairly cheap and just not really wanting to get back, you know, not really wanting to continue on. And, um, and, and it wasn't until, you know, a few weeks after this incident, um, like I was pretty heavily set on, on, on getting out and a buddy of mine, well, a, a buddy of mine, Norman Yoder, who, he was a, the, the fellow who, who sold me that leopard cur. Um, he, he reached out to me and said, man, Aaron, like I've never seen somebody must as ambitious and just going into this with full head of steam. Like he's like, this is something like I can see that is just in you. Like, this is something that, that you really truly enjoy and you cannot let an incident like this completely take you away. Something that you love. He's like, you have to, and, and, and other houndsmen have had to deal with wolves and, and, and there's things you can do to try to mitigate, you know, wolves being in your area. But he's like, at the end of the day, it is always like you, you are always playing a game of Russian roulette. And, um, he's like, so I, he, he just told me that, he, he's, he told me that I need to, to believe it or not, go out sooner rather than later. He's like, get out there as soon as you can. Cause he's like, I've had buddies that they waited and waited and, and then they just never got into it again. And so I took his advice, went back out and, um, and well, we, we treat a bear and, and, uh, man, it was a weird feeling not having those dogs, um, and it, it was almost enough to be like, man, this ain't worth it. But there's something in it still, still enough excitement and, and almost there was like some promise of a, you know, of, of, okay, I have dogs that can still do it and I can raise some new dogs up and still have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to be more cautious and as, and, and even that, you know, it's, you never know if being cautious is enough, but I, I just decided to you know what, this is something I wanted to do. And I can't let the fact that we have a predator like wool, a wolf or wolves in the area that can easily, um, wipe out an entire pack any given Mm -hmm. day. You can't let that, um, get in the way of, of doing what you love. And so I just tried to get as much information from others in the area, um, on, on how to, to mitigate the risks of, um, or the risks that are associated in running dogs in wolf country. So, you know, you lost two. How, mm-hmm. how long did it take you to start replacing those dogs? Uh, <laughs> so that's actually a pretty funny question. I, I think that I was, uh, you know, I, it's pretty down in the dumps because of losing those dogs. So I, I added, I lost two dogs and I added three. 
pretty mm-hmm. quick. <laughs> and I, you know, so I was just trying, you know, the more dogs, the more it took it off my mind, right. I guess. So, to um, um, so I, so I got some pups back pretty quick, but I was definitely, um, the dynamic, the, the thing that changed is I could still tree bears after that, mm-hmm. but it was almost like, because there was a dynamic shift, mm-hmm. it wasn't as smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, the races weren't as smooth. I wouldn't, wasn't putting up as many bears. And so definitely, it was definitely, um, you know, it's definitely like taking a couple steps back. Right. Uh, but I held on to the fact that I had dogs that, that they knew what they were doing well enough that I could have, there's potential for some rock star young dogs to come along uh, and get trained up by, by well, primarily another hound mm-hmm. and um, um, and a little bit of me and, and get them going again. And so that's, I just kind of held on to the hope, and I still do, that I get back to, to where I was. So then that took you into lion season, right? Yeah. And you yep. you had your first season. You're in your second season now with lion, right? At, so I'm in my second season, but this, so the first season I had the pups, I never really, I actually had the, the, the hardest of times, um, finding cat tracks mm-hmm. and it was kind of on the, the, the tail end of the season. And I did just with work and whatnot, I didn't, wasn't able to get out. So mm-hmm. I didn't even get to, to even, I didn't even tree a single cat with the dogs I had the first line season. And so this, this season that is going on right now, is really the first cat season that um, that I was actually able to to, to get um, to, to to put up some some lions and bobcats. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been keeping up with you on um, social media, and it looks like you you know had a pretty good season. Yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah. what the typical you know what the typical you know couple a week, one a day. I don't know what what that is for you guys, but it looks like you've had some some pretty good success. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've this year, um, so far I've, um, I, I, I kind of had a, a goal like, you know, and I, I try not to get too carried away with things like this, but I'm like, man, it'd be awesome to put up, you know, five to 10 lions within the season. I think that if I really try to try to work these dogs and get out as much as I can, um, that's doable with mm-hmm. our lion population around here. And I was, I ended up, so far I've put up, um, 19 lions this season. Oh, wow. And, um, and two bobcats. Um, I haven't, you know, I, I've had some snowmobile trouble, so I haven't been able to bobcats te- seem to be like, they're a little higher. I mean, you'll get mm-hmm. them down in the creek bottoms and stuff, but with our, with the amount of trappers we got that trap bobcat, the ones that make it down into the bottom, the creek bottoms generally end up in a cubby. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if you really want to do well with running bobcats around here, you need to get up into some higher country. Um, and like I said, because of my snowmobile kind of being out of commission, I've just been um, kind of resorted to uh, just have, having to run creek bottoms and hoofing it to the dogs as fast as I can. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Are, yeah, you, but are you cutting any wolf tracks while you're out? Yeah. So, you know, you know that's um, – that's a, the nice thing about, you know, running dogs in the snow is you can obviously see a lot more track mm-hmm. and sign, 
easier than you can in the springtime. And, uh, you do, I do see a ton of wolf sign. Um, and there's actually, I mean, there's, like I said, there's lots of cats out this way, um, in, in Western and central Montana, but, uh, the, the issue that a lot of houndsmen have is, you know, you could catch 20, 30, 40 or more cats in a year, but because you have wolves in the same area, you're not, you're, that's going to greatly reduce how often you're going to let your dogs out on a track. Yeah. Um, well, it was so that's me. something I've had to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get within, I don't know how long you got, how far away you got to get, but I'd, I'd be on the other side of that. So you got, you rebounded off of, um, the spring hunt. You got into to the cat season. You've had a good cat season. So what dogs do you have now? Like how, well, how many dogs you have? So I got um, eight hounds right now. Mm-hmm. So I got quite a few, um, but I do have a lot of young blood right now. Did um, I see you have a litter high. of pups? Yeah, I, I yeah. Think, uh, 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 the older Walker dog I have. Um, she, I had an accidental litter. So <laughs> as much as I hate to admit it, it was a complete accident. It was between that Walker dog. Is that the I topper dog from Andy? Yep. Yep. From Andy. Yep. Um, her name's Piper and she's, she's 10 years old and, uh, you know, I don't know how the heck it happened. I must've not been paying attention, but my, my, um, my smoky river blue tick that I have here, Sam, um, got him from Brad as well. Mm-hmm. He got out and hooked up with her. So now I got, yeah, I got a litter of five. You got five a topper smoky river cross. Yeah, and you know yeah. what? Um, you know, I, I I honestly didn't know how easy. You know, didn't didn't think it was going to be very easy to get rid of these, get rid or even sell those dogs. And you know, I, I listed them for three hundred bucks a piece, and I mean, within the first two days, I had them all sold. Mm-hmm. It seems to be like a pretty popular cross around yeah. here, so I well, had no issues. To go back real quick, and mm-hmm. we'll have to start wrapping this up, but. So when you got your blue, your Smoky River blue dog, um, probably unbeknownst to you, but you know, if I was looking for a rig dog, I would have no problem going in that direction. Like I've seen some really nice Smoky River dogs. They seem to have plenty of grit. Um, yep. They trail good. Most of them have decent mouths on them, and they're in their nice tree dogs. The you know, and I know that they're not all that way, but um, like when you ended up with that line, like I said, probably you know your buddy knew, but you didn't go wrong by getting into that line of dogs. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we talked about Andy Andy Jensen with the topper again. You know, I I bought a a female off Andy in 2009. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she was out of um, Topper and Dot. And I know he made that cross several times. Um, but she was a natural starting natural starting dog. Um, and that's what the three dogs that I told you that were my average dog, they were out of her. And mm-hmm. um, there was just, they, like I said, they were nice hounds. Like, for most people, they would have been really satisfied with them. Um, right. Because I'm like you, my first dog set 
the bar so high and my <laughs> expectations so high, like I have a hard time getting there. Like, it's right. like, oh, you know, this is what I'm yeah. looking for. This is what I'm looking for. And if you don't, you know, if you don't have, you know, X and Y, then anyway. But anyway, long story short. But so, Aaron, before we get off, I mean, I, we could talk more about this. And um, you've told us a little bit about your struggles. Like, what are some things that's helped you along the way? And, you know, you've come from a, like a critical incident, recovered, having a very successful season. Um, you know, tell tell some guys that are just getting into this journey, like tell us some lessons learned. And, and we can, you know, we, we've talked about one. Um, some things that you've done that's helped you or you feel that's helped you and some struggles that you have or are having that you're still working through. Right. And I know that's a three-part question. But. Oh, man, that's a, yeah, <laughs> a little loaded. But uh, I'll do my best to answer it. Um, well, I think right off the bat, you know, when, when you get into something, you have to be receptive to people who have had experience in whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's just like in a general rule in life, you know, somebody that's been doing uh, doing a specific thing for a long period of time, they're generally going to have some, some, some sort of valuable information. And so um, getting into it all, you want to make sure that you're receptive to criticism um, because, you know, you don't want to get, it's easy for guys to start liking their dog and, and then focusing on every little good thing or, any, any little detail that could, or, or just any little trait or thing that their dogs do, um, and, and try to have a positive spin on it. But when somebody who has experience, um, tells you, Hey, you know, they, this could be better or, you know, or telling you just flat out, like, Hey, your dog isn't doing this, or you should look for, um, you know, certain things that'll help you out. Like you just, just be receptive to any information that people that have been in the game are willing to give you. And don't be afraid to ask questions because I've asked, you know, I'm still asking a million and one questions to guys that have been doing this for a lot longer than I have, you know, been doing it most of their lives. And they, they have a plethora of information um, in their noggin that they're willing to, to give to you, you know, so don't be afraid to ask questions and don't, you know, don't, don't, um, I guess make sure to take criticism mm-hmm. because, um, it's real easy for you to, to act like your dogs are so great and they don't do anything wrong. And, and, and I, I think that the people, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have, you have blowhards in every kind of community, um, so you have to, you do have to do a little bit of sifting, personal sifting on your end and the people that have the success, um, you know, you you take your information, try to get your information from them. Um, Ed Vance has it, you know, he, 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 he um, discusses it several times in his book, Trained by a Hound Dog, how he went out with guys that they talked themselves up and they talked their packs up and, um, and they really thought they knew a lot, but, um, but he ended up, you know, they never had success with those kinds of people. And so there is a little bit of personal mitigate, you know, thing, 
um, through information that is given to you that you have to do in your own part. But, but you, you, before you know it, you'll find guys that have had success, um, and, and just pick their brains. Um, that's, that's something that really, really helped me. Um, and don't be afraid to, to, to get into the books even, you know, mm-hmm. and, and find whatever kind of valuable information they might have for you and, and make sure to always try to find that information, but apply it and see what works for you. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, one thing I learned through my, the law enforcement side of my training is you have to keep an open mind. And if you keep an open mm-hmm. mind, you're going to be 10 times more successful because like you said, somebody's been doing it longer than you. Somebody's got more experience than you. And just because they don't do it the same way as you doesn't mean that their method, their way, their um, philosophy is not successful. Um, Oh, absolutely. I'm very particular about the way I do things, but there's people that don't hunt the way I do, don't do the things I do, and they catch more bear than I do. (laughs) <laughs> it's just the way it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, yeah, I think keeping an open mind um, is is a big key to it. Uh, yeah, I I like to read, you know, you've picked up the books. Um, you know, I was blessed at a very early stage in my, my hound hunting career to have a very good mentor that jerks a knot in me sometimes when I need it. Like he sets me straight sometimes because I'll go off on a tangent or I'll, and then he'll just, you know, yeah, you need to think about that. That's not, you know, you need those type of people. And sometimes honesty hurts, right? It does. Oh man. Yeah, it Uh, does. But yeah. And so that's some of the things that's helped you be successful. Right. Um, What, just tell us one thing that you feel like that, you struggle with or um, that you could use help to become better at what you're doing? Oh man. Um, I think that, you know, knowing the, I think that, you know, knowing the exact science behind what your dogs do would go a long ways with me, you know, because mm-hmm. you, especially when you get into it, you, you see your dogs act particular ways your old dogs do certain things and they train your younger dogs by doing those certain things and i think that something that would aid me in my journey is to listen to more podcast episodes that really highlight and target the science behind what uh what and why your dogs are doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. and i think i recently saw there was an episode on that um that was produced by this podcast on, on, um, like scent trailing or something like, is, is that, is that, is that ring a bell at all? Heath? Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had Jeff yeah. Shetler on and yeah. you know, Jeff Shetler is like, not just in the United States. I mean, he is sought after throughout the, the world. Um, he travels, um, man, he, and he's good at what he does. I mean, yes. Do I, do we agree with everything? No, but, the majority of what he says, he can back it up with, with proof, you know, right. He's worked it. He's done it. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. he's got his hands, hands on trailing dogs every day, multiple <laughs> dogs every day. That is his life. 
Um, right. But yes, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's probably Jeff you're talking about. Yeah. 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 So I'd say that's kind of something where, where, um, I'd like to honestly make some personal improvements and, and, and learn a, a lot more than, than what I currently know. Well, there's only one way to do that. And that's yep. to get out there and put the boot leather in, spend time with mm-hmm. your dogs. Um, I'm very fortunate. I mean, I can, I can take off pretty much two months of the, of the year to hunt. And that's not a long time, but you know, I, I get, you know, 28, 30 days in September and 28, 30 days in December. Um, and I spent a lot of, I spent a lot of my time with my dogs in the off season, which it sounds like what you're doing too. And, oh, and yeah. that's the only way to learn them is you got to mm-hmm. get them out there. You got to be out yep. there. That's, mm-hmm. that's nine tenths of the problem, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and be a real, I think one thing too, that when you get into this, salt, uh, when you, when you get hounds and you get into this lifestyle, cause, because that's what it is, um, you have to make sure and remember that you need to set realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have time, just be out there every day with your dogs. You can't expect your dogs. I mean, in, mm-hmm. in the, this isn't always the case, but you can't expect your dogs to just go out there and be absolute rock stars and to be better than everybody else's. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you know, you get like with anything in life, you know, you're going to get, um, you, you're going to get the kind of, the kind of work you put into something really shows and, and oftentimes equates to what you get in at the end, like what? for an end product. And so um, if you're working your dogs hard and doing everything you know to do, it's going to be a bigger sort of reward at the end versus not being able to put that time in and not, or just simply not putting the time in. Yeah. There's a saying, and I may not quote it verbatim, but it says, don't complain about the results you didn't get for the work you didn't do. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it. You know, um, yeah, you can't, you can't take your dogs off the chain the day of season and expect them to perform at an opt- optimal level. You just can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we all, we all probably should, you know, set our, set our expectations. And that goes all the way back to what this podcast is about. It's a journey. Man, Rome wasn't built in a day. Things don't happen overnight. You know, it takes time. Like, it takes time to acquire, you know, a a pack of hounds that are proficient, consistent, and do what we want them to do. Like, it doesn't happen next week when Heath decides to take them out. You know, it Mm -hmm. it takes years. And and that's one of the things as hunters that we don't do enough of is we don't tell the whole story. You know, everybody... We've been we've been talking about this. Everybody wants to see the cat in the tree, the bear in the tree, you know, the hog bait up, but they don't want to see, you know, you walking three and a half miles out of the mountain in the rain, pouring down rain, soaked to your bones, mm-hmm. um, not eat all day, carrying a bottle of water and six dog leads. Oh man, I, there's been times where I've hardly made it out. Let me tell yes. you. Yes. I mean, that's not glorious. There's nothing about that that's glorious. Nobody, I even talk myself off the ledge sometimes, like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, dude, come on, you're getting too old for this. But um, that that love and desire I have for the outdoors and that 
partnership that I have with my dogs is what why I do what I do. Um, I had Craig, uh, Craig Koshik on here a couple weeks ago, a month ago, and you know one of the things he said is um, everything I do is because for and with my dogs, and that's that's life. That's life yeah. here at the Hyatt House. It's because mm-hmm. of the dogs. So, Aaron, I can't um, tell you how much I appreciate you sharing your story. Um, continue to get them dogs out there and be successful. And maybe we'll pick this up later and we'll touch base and, and see where you're at. Uh, like I said, I appreciate you sharing your, your journey with us. Um, so at the end of every podcast, thank you for helping us teach, train, and learn about your journey. 